0: Hey everyone, welcome to episode 156 of 15 with Andy. No with Tammy, Jeff, and Steven. As promised, we are spending a couple of minutes, and I shouldn't say a couple of minutes because it's going to be longer than that, with special guests and last week's speaker, Stephen. and how do you pronounce your last name? Arauz. Arauz. Yeah. All right. right
1: Again, Arauz. Arauz. You got it. I got
0: it? I don't know. I think it didn't come out so good on last week's episode. I promised we would speak to you this week, but anyway, thank you for taking time to be here. It's an unusual Saturday taping right after church, and... I struggled with what to focus on this week from the message because it was filled with a lot of really, really... Good things and applicable things. It's hard to pick which way you want to go with it. So I'm pretty sure we're going to run a little longer than usual, which really isn't unusual as much as much, – as much as, and me stuttering as it is the usual. <laughs> anyway, besides all that. Last week, because we were unable to tape with Stephen, we celebrated Memorial Day, and we cited that Desmond Doss proved that we can float in Christ even in the most extreme circumstances, causing even the most distant from God to believe. If your holiday week was anything like mine, you may have missed that episode, but even as a refresher, it's an amazing story, even in the condensed version as it was given. So you can catch all those hospitalchurch.org slash podcast, or of course, or hospital church mobile app because we all have it. We all use it. Yep. There you go. All right. This week, the name of the message was I am. And first off, again, I just want to say thank you for this message. I know that there are a lot of young people like my Ellie that are in this transition period from, you know, we're in middle school, we're about to head to high school, these kinds of things, and we're trying to figure out who we are. And she was like, Dad, I didn't like the message. (laughs) And I'm like, you didn't like the message. You got to listen to it twice. She was running remote cameras. What do you mean you didn't like the message? She's like, it really hit close to home and it makes you think about things that you do when you think about yourself. And I'm Mm -hmm. like, well, that was kind of the point. She's like, I know it was the point, but it really makes you stop and think. But there were so many people that as you're talking to other parents and other, other adults that really struggle with this whole idea of what do we do with our identity? Who do we get it from? Where do we get it from? Where do we get the things we think about ourselves? We struggle to define. And I think through the power of your transparent storytelling, which again, I really appreciated you sharing the different stories from yourself and with Quentin. And you shared stories of responses to identity, again, from grade school all the way to young professionals, which was very, very funny. I I really enjoyed your teacher story. All with a common theme of expectations, reflections, self-evaluations that don't discriminate from anyone across the board. From your experience, why do we seem to gravitate so easily to others' evaluations of ourselves other than God's?
1: You know, as a kid, we are taught to do things that we receive praise for. Hmm. So you're a child and you do something correctly done. You receive what from your parents? Good job. A good job, positive reinforcement and applause, maybe going out to get some ice cream. Hmm. You do something that's not approved by those around you, then what do you get?
0: I always got a butt whooping. I don't, I don't know about what happens these days, but that's my people get.
1: might get a frown, maybe a shameful look of yeah. you've done something that's incorrectly seen by us. Yeah. And you fix it or you're told to fix it. So hmm. I think we all want to impress those who are around us or those we value higher than ourselves.
0: So you see this every day as a teacher, right? Yeah, of
1: course. You it see is? it. I mean, I see it in myself. I see it how I relate with my, my boss. Perhaps I see it how my colleagues relate with each other and who's above and who's newer around the block. I see it in kids and how they relate with me, how they relate to their parents, how they ask me how to share with their parents. They just failed something like an assignment <laughs> in class. Like, what, how do we go around it?
0: <laughs> right. Well, I think what you just said, we may not always enjoy it, but I, I don't think we can escape the evaluations of others because mm-hmm. we just, we have that. So I think the question then becomes, how do we make better use of those critiques? You know, searching maybe for the silver lining, maybe Jeff, this is something you can speak to. How do we take what we're bombarded with and we can't ignore and we kind of have to hit it head on, don't we? Well,
2: Steve, I really appreciate it. First of all, I want to say, if you have not listened to last week's sermon, and by the way, this is another good one this week too. So I don't want to just keep you on listening to sermons, but maybe this is a, a good chance to Absolutely. go back and, and just time, binge yeah. a little bit. Mm-hmm. But Steve did a really good job of this topic. And one of the things that we come up against almost all the time is that we are constantly evaluating ourselves. This is constant. Yeah. In fact, all the time, we're evaluating ourselves through other people's eyes. And it's interesting because, you know, a lot of people would tell, will tell me, I, you know, I have a really hard time remembering names. Literally, they'll tell me their name and in five <laughs> seconds, I will have forgotten their name. I'm glad I'm in I'm a good company. You're not supposed then. to
3: expose me like that, Jeff.
2: <laughs> But literally, and, and oh, the man. reason for that is because most of the time when you, when you find somebody that you're greeting or you're meeting for the first time, you're constantly wondering, while they're introducing themselves to you, you're wondering, how am I being presented? Mm. Mm. What's going on inside of, you know, what's going on as this space between me is being evaluated between me and this other person. So, you know, I tell people, if you want to remember somebody's name, rather than being so obsessed about how you're, I mean, we all do this. I mean, is there something in my teeth? Is, you know, is my hair right? Is, do I have my zipper open? You know, all those things (laughs) that we're constantly thinking about when we come up. Against somebody, if we can just one time redirect our focus and help us understand that it they're feeling the same thing too. So I think it's about compassion. I think it's about focus, refocusing our attention away from ourselves onto somebody else. And I think that's part of the reason we evaluate so much is we're constantly focusing inward. If we can just take a look outside and see us. And see others the way Christ would want us to be – would want them to be seen by us. So I think self-evaluation is something that has to be practiced. I'm sorry. Avoiding self-evaluation has to be practiced. It has to be where I walk around literally realizing what other people's lives might be. So I think Jesus, when he walked around on this, this earth, he was constantly looking about seeing how people wanted to be seen and he he did it he did a really good job of of uh, refocusing from himself to other people okay well, does that make sense absolutely so considering <laughs> that my name isn't jesus and neither is
0: yours yes then what do we tell people not named jesus that on the other side of that clearly people have an issue we all have an issue with this evaluation process and you just said well maybe if we don't you know we avoid that but what as someone that might not have that much or as strong a struggle with that and you can see someone that may clearly have some issues with that how can we be more outgoing or how can we approach them to put them at ease so that we don't have you know we're not we're not putting that weight on someone else if we realize that this is an issue maybe we can be better at trying to not cause people to feel like we're immediately
2: evaluating <laughs> them as soon as they talk to us i love his use of mirrors And mirrors are actually a really good opportunity. We don't have to look long in the mirror, but we have to be honest as we look in the mirror. And we have to realize that I need to see myself the way God sees me. I I love the masterpiece piece. Mm -hmm. I just feel like we need to be efficient and honest when we're in that mirror.
0: So, what do you do, Stephen, with your kids every day? I mean, this is something that you're dealing with, at least on that level, with that group of uh, age group. What do you do to try to help them <laughs> overcome this process?
1: And so I think it's easy to, for us to say, hey, look at yourself the way God sees you. But you <laughs> have to break that down to so many different components Yeah. and you have to revisit it. And so in school, we have that time because we're together. So I break it down to Wednesdays where we break the classroom apart. We dim the lights only because I want the focus to be in yourself at that moment And it starts that way because you have to look at what you see yourself as. So I do have an example that I share, but I want to share it again. It's super important. And it's grabbing the mirror and looking at what you see in that reflection and being able to name and pinpoint what exactly you see. Is it, do you see someone who's dishonest? Do you see someone who's failed someone? Do you see someone Mm -hmm. who has been said, you're the failure, the cause of the problem? Do you see some shame of yourself in that mirror? Like, what do you see? And writing it down makes that difference of knowing, okay, I see this, 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 and they're mostly going to be negative things. It always ends up being that it always way. Ends up there, you yeah. might at first be like, oh, yeah, I'm beautiful. But when you say <laughs> that, are you being really honest with yourself or are you just saying that because you want to see that in the reflection? Yeah. And when you're able to be honest down to earth with yourself, that what you see may not be exactly correlating with what God sees He is seeing, that's when you know now we're a good place to start building up. (laughs) Once we're able to open up yourself and just be raw at first. So once we do that with the students, what I've asked them to do is let's find out what God does see. And when you're able to find what God does see, and He sees a conqueror, He sees a good mother, He sees a child of God, He sees someone who's an overcomer, someone who is strong. When you're able to see that, Choose one. Just choose one to claim. And then write that down somewhere where it's next to that mirror. So the next time you see that reflection, you look right to the side and like, oh, wait, I'm supposed to see someone who's a conqueror in that Mm -hmm. reflection. Nice. And you say it to yourself, I am a conqueror. And the more you say it, the more you're going to believe it. And the more it becomes part of who you are. doesn't happen the first time, but it will happen the more you believe it
3: and i think if there's kind of a chain reaction cuz i if i understood your previous question you said how do we become right, the yeah. kind of people that when people come to us they don't forget our names because they're worried <laughs> about what we you know we're thinking about them yeah. and i think part of that is understanding especially as a christian the value and the identity we have in christ and i think if we can embrace that as our own identity i would think that that would be a chain reaction then we become the kind of people that are not judgmental, that are open so that when people meet us, I mean, I think to a certain extent, you can kind of tell yeah. when people are sizing you up, Yeah, you know, and if you're that kind of person, that's welcoming, that's open, um, that's without walls. I think that that allows people then to see a better picture of themselves even through you.
0: Well, what really struck me is it's always seemingly something that is so basic, like, okay, our identity, who are we? Mm -hmm. We can tell you our name, we can tell you where we're from, we can tell you our childhood, and kind of how we were raised, we can tell you our political leanings, we can tell you all these different aspects about us. But really, if you don't have this basic foundational piece of really who I am and God's identity, the consequences to our mental and spiritual health are really, really bad. And you gave a bunch of different uh, statistics. And the one that really hit home to me was, you said that in 60% of the homeless population in Orlando are LGBT teens searching to belong. And that absolutely just broke my heart and my mind in in the message. Because, I mean, what do we do with and, and to help people when their identity, and I'm not just talking sexual orientation, but all of our identities, when we don't feel like we belong to a group or we maybe don't feel like we belong to God or we don't mm-hmm. belong to church. I mean, what do we do to start repairing it? And I, and I think what you just said, that daily affirmation, but things can go so wrong so quickly. And I don't think we give it enough time or enough thought process that this is a real problem because we we have the
3: basics covered, right? We, I mean, our identity. And- well, I, I think it, Stephen really was brilliant with giving the story of creation. You know, absolutely. I mean, I think that's where it has to begin. Mm -hmm. And I think if we can understand the value that God when God came so close that he gave us the kiss of life. I love that when you said that. I think for us to understand that allows us then to share that with others that I think the problem comes in because I, I actually didn't grow up Christian. And so that was never part of my identity. And then sure. become meeting Christ all of a sudden that makes such a huge difference, but unfortunately with a population like the LGBT population, even church, even people who oh, have yeah. this gospel yeah. are not always open to sharing that. And that's just a real miss. And that's just a real shame.
1: That's why I think that today's sermon with Andy was no coincidence coming <laughs> right after identity. So if I were to tap everything you mentioned earlier about who you were and stuff, that comes from your memories, right? Sure. The things you've learned, things you've experienced, and together, they've made up who Randy is today. Mm-hmm. So if I were to undo all of that, all those memories, what do we have left of Randy? Not a lot. So, if I were to ask you, based on erasing all those memories, who are you? You would be left with a big, huge question like, I don't know. Yeah. And that's because identity shouldn't be coming from these memories you have created and experiences. It should be coming from elsewhere. That's the whole point of that topic. And once you know exactly your identity, where it's coming from, from God's statements of who you are, Mm -hmm. and you know who you are, then you know who they are— then there's no reason to be building this boundary right. between me and them right it, it constructs from down to knowing who you are and feeling happy and safe with who you are so you don't see the other person as someone who's coming to destroy who you are cuz they can't right. you already are certain of that you already got that yeah. so then there's no fear and where there is no fear the opposite of fear is love and that's what you don't feel the, necessi- the need to have this
0: boundary separating between you and them mm-hmm. See, he's a veteran already here because he just did the uh, the Andy and Jeff where they set up the next que- the next uh, idea. And your message was loaded with amazing Brene Brown quotes. Uh, props to you, by the way.
1: I can thank Jeff for that. <laughs>
0: <Did you? laughs> but I thought maybe the most dangerous of all those quotes, for at least for those that struggle with this and maybe introverts or with their identity in any way. She said because true belonging only happens when we present our authentic, imperfect selves to the world, our sense of belonging can never be greater than our level of self-acceptance. And that's from her book, Daring Greatly. Well, there are millions of applications here in regards to belonging as to where, to what class, to what race, to what orientation, religion. I mean the list you could just keep building and what you just talked about was so good. But this still presents a really daunting challenge to present our authentic, imperfect selves to truly belong I mean if, that, if, if we believe that that 's really what it takes. I mean, from personal walls of fear, social media, we have become the masters of the facade right I mean that 's what we do. we build it up and we, we hide behind it. So how do we provide hope to someone who isn 't in a healthy place right now and they 've said i believe in I believe in Jesus, I believe in the resurrection, I believe in all these things, but right now I just don 't feel it. Is just the facade too high i 'm thinking of four people in my head right now that I know if you tell them, I need to present myself as my authentic and perfect selves, they're going to tell me every time I do that, people shut me down because they don't like me. They say I'm weird. They say I don't fit in. And so while we can believe the I am, but that still puts us at odds <laughs> with people that are not like us or that maybe we haven't found our, our tribe yet. How do we help people that are listening that, or are just feeling this or someone could share the podcast with someone who is feeling that way? And some kind of a hope because I think it's not for a lack of trying. And I think we're providing some understanding, like what you just talked about. When you separate all that out, you know where it comes from. How do we apply that? How do we give that to someone in something that we can take in small pieces?
1: Because okay, I, I don't, I don't okay, know the answer so to that. Randy, I really with don't. your family, right? The way you're talking yeah. with us on the radio, uh, on the podcast, there's a, there's a Randy that we're seeing right now mm-hmm. that maybe your daughter would be seeing a different type of Randy maybe not because either randy's are wrong yeah it's just that there is an experience that you have shared with us here Mm -hmm. and she has seen you at home Mm -hmm. a little different randy a little randy who might be a little bit more vulnerable because it's family family will always embrace all the quirkiness that randy may have
0: Right? most of well (laughs) my my family (laughs) they're already scared they've seen the they've seen the dark side yeah
1: So I share that is because the more you're exposing yourself to different groups of people is because you've experienced already with them and a level of acceptance that you know it's okay to be raw and open, Randy, at home. Yeah, And maybe when you're in church, you are a little different raw and open. And when you're at work, you might be a different raw and open with different ideas. Different raw. And open I'm pretty, much, I'm
0: pretty much raw and open pretty much across the board. That's for better or for worse. But you have found a <laughs> place. <that> about you.
1: <laughs> you found groups of people that you yeah. know that are worthy enough to be open and transparent with already. Yeah. And so you know what groups of people to be open up with um that are going to be safe for you. Brene Brown, um, when she shares that book in Daring Greatly, that quote comes from the idea that you have found people that have earned your respect that you already know I want to be vulnerable and open with. Because they've earned the right for me to be open and vulnerable with already. And that's why when you see maybe younger people just be raw and open, let's say on social media, and you're like, oh, no, don't do that. Like, that's not a safe place to do it. And then the comments follow. And (laughs) they're like a bunch of negative comments, right? right?" Yeah. So that was not the group of people that had earned your respect to be vulnerable with. So when you look for that vulnerability, you look for that group of people that you've said, oh, man. These are people who I want to hear their feedback from, and they've also earned my respect. It goes both ways. Yeah.
2: And I don't think it's always going to be people that necessarily are on your agreeable side, so to speak. Oh, yeah,
3: yeah. I think it's you're not right.
2: always going to be those peoples. And I think that's the part that vulnerb- where vulnerability plays a very important piece is that I can be vulnerable if I understand that that we're in this arena together, right? It does. It doesn't always have to be somebody who's agreeing wholeheartedly with me because, you know, there's been times in all of our lives where we've got people who are in our corner, so to speak, who literally are backing us and pulling for us, you know, and cheering for us, but disagree with with yeah. literally I mean I, I think of you know, we can think of our own families, our own children. Sure. You know, I can say, hey, we disagree on this one issue, but I still am behind you and I love you and I care for you and that person knows it. So we can't be confusing sometimes. Somebody who we can be vulnerable with as just being somebody who, we, who agrees with us. Mm-hmm, right. Mm-hmm. And, and to
0: push away the narrative that is so prevalent today that says, if I disagree with you, then I don't like you. Right. So right. then that immediately right. that immediately pushes me off your list because, you know, for whatever reason, pick the category, politics, religion, I and mean right. the big two. And, and if I don't agree with you or whatever, then we can't be friends and I certainly couldn't be vulnerable with you because I, I think that's way a lot of people just immediately go, <laughs> all right, moving them to column B. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Ding. Yeah. Right.
0: See you later. You went next to enter the I am. You, you brought that phase of the message in and you listed the seven times in the Gospel of John that Jesus used that phrase to define himself. I mean, he's facing imminent death. You talked about Gethsemane. He claims his identity in his father by not just answering, but I really liked the way you framed it by claiming that I am. And you said, what if the reason we never seem to find what we most desire is because we've been using the name of Jesus as a magic word mm-hmm. and not realizing that the name of Jesus is a simple representation of an infinite God bound by no magic words or favors. But what if real power to find my desire is in the example Jesus set? To say and claim who God has designed me to be, I am. I am who he says I am. That's so powerful. But And let's just say that I agree with your premise because I do. I believe it and I want it to be true. What if I don't know how to claim who he says I am? What if I don't know who he says I am? Because I hear that a lot from people that say, again, I believe in Jesus. I think He, you know, he died. They believe all the things... But then, actually going well i don 't know what does God think of me what does What does he really think about? What does he think i 'm here for you know because that 's always the question what are we here for what, what, what what's our what 's our purpose what are we supposed to be doing? and I think that all kind of ties in with what do I do if i don 't know who I am, and you 've been you know kind of hurting these kids. Hurting. I meant to say shepherding. <laughs> <laughs> shepherding. Hurting sounds a little it feels more like that way sometimes, <laughs> sometimes doesn't it? <laughs> but you've been kind of shepherding them. What would you say to someone who's just sitting there going, I'm not sure who I am or who he thinks I am? I want to be sure about this.
1: You know, the first verse that comes to my mind quickly yeah. it's a story that i used um and i think tammy helped me choose that verse where it's jesus getting baptized and the sky is being open mm-hmm. and the first statement you hear is this is my son so, in whom i am well pleased and i think it starts from there like no know- taking that knowledge and saying he calls me son he calls me daughter and at the moment you know that then it takes you to well what the verse that god said jesus says What father, when a son asks for, you know, food, would he give a serpent or a A snake? snake Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, that doesn't go two to (laughs) two, right? So, I automatically know who he is. He is a good, good father. You know, he's a loving father who gives me exactly what I need. The next thing I think of is, like, he says, you are the salt of the earth. Then he goes, you are the light of the world. Like, those are very specific Claims that he says. I think he starts you off on this journey. Like, if you don't get it from scripture, here are two things you should know light and salt. Tastes good, looks good, right? Yeah. <laughs> right there. And so I think if it, he kind of pushes you on that journey of finding him. And if you notice through scripture, We like it as Christians to know what's right, what's wrong. Just give us A, B, A, B so we can check off.
0: We're black and white, yeah. But
1: he doesn't do that. He's like, here are two things you should know. The rest, I need you to come experience me so I can tell you (laughs) and show you what the rest looks
3: like. Yeah. And I think part of that experiencing him, you know, we can't really live in a vacuum. I think I'm probably the only introvert at this table. (laughs) (laughs) And it's, you know, it's difficult to be vulnerable. But the truth of the matter is, I think part of that understanding your identity, particularly if you're in a point, because I think we've all been at a point where you doubt and you question, you look around and say, "Okay, yeah, I, I know scripture says this. I'm just not feeling that right now. Is I think putting us putting yourself in a place of community with others who have your best good in heart, being wise about who you're vulnerable with, but also understanding the importance of community and people that can build you and help you to understand that identity and help you to see that in yourself. So I think that's, even though it may be challenged for some of us, it's really, really important.
0: So what's the one thing that you would just hope that somebody would take away the, like if you could just boil it down to like a paragraph what's or a sentence, what's one thing you hope that someone would just be able to remember and Take with them from the message.
1: If in one sentence it would be, see what God sees. You know, mm. see what God Excellent. sees. Because if you don't see that, then I'm blind. You yeah. know, but the good news is he makes the blind see.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So see what God sees.
0: Excellent. Mm-hmm. And I would just say also, you know, so just as we were sitting here, I didn't actually write this down. But just thinking about it is. There's probably more people, at least – and I'm just talking to Florida Hospital Church people right now. I think there's a lot of people in this church that are are good listeners – are good, wise people, people that may not have all the answers, but are willing to talk and willing to be approachable. And, you know, you guys catch me in the lobby all the time. And so, (laughs) and my wife is always like, where were you today? And I'm like, well, you know, I kind of got caught up. (laughs) So, you know, take a chance on someone that may be here at church, if you're listening and say, you know, I just might need to talk to someone. And sometimes it just takes, and I know that's not easy, but it takes just a step in the right direction. Use the verses that Stephen talked about this week. And the I am start claiming those to lighten us off. Those are all good places to start, and we could discuss this topic for hours and still not still not get anywhere close to everything that we really could or should talk about. Please do not miss this message. There was just so much good things. It's powerful, and just don't keep it to yourself. Share it if you know someone that's going through this. Kind of, I'm not sure, or maybe they're going through a dark time. This is something. This is exactly why you should be sharing something like this. This week, our FHE takeaways were different again. I love these guest speakers. John gives us video links. Stephen gives us some homework. Sorry. (laughs) (laughs) No, it was good. So it came in the form of a guided plan for creating an identity chart. And even if you're, you know, you're confident about who you are through God's eyes, take a few minutes and work through the questions. It was really, really good. I had a good time with it. It's a good mental exercise to remind ourselves of, of our life in God. And it's up to us to solidify our confidence in who we are along with him. And that was really a cool, the way you laid them all out. So there's like, what, seven steps? Your little circle chart and then X out the stuff that doesn't, doesn't belong. It was really good. I enjoyed it. You can get that at hospitalchurch.org. And if you go to the sermons, download sermon notes. It's under this week, under the I am sermon notes. And it is the last page there. So you can make that for yourself. But I did want to ask you, what's your favorite thing that God sees in you and believes about you? So for even if you're not totally confident, most of us can probably find one thing that we are pretty sure that God believes about us. Personally, I love that God made me without a filter. <laughs> um <laughs> My mother might not uh, – she might not equally be as excited about that, and there's probably a lot of others as well, and I'm sorry for anyone that I offend. but And it can be a blessing and a curse, no doubt, but it makes not being transparent more difficult, which is a trait I celebrate personally. So let us know yours by leaving a voicemail, send a text, 407 1607 or podcast at hospitalchurch.org. And then our final thoughts are from the closing of Stephen's message, and it said – It is believing that I am forgiven that allows me to love once again. It is in saying I am loved that I find love for those around me. And those are just a good little reminder. It might be something you just want to print off and put next to the mirror, next to the one thing that you think you're good at, like I'm powerful or I'm (laughs) I'm good or I'm loved. And then just put that there. It's claiming who I am, that I find myself loved by me and by God. That's pretty awesome. What's coming up next week? Anybody know?
3: Next week is the second in the Galatians series. It's going to be no gender-based distinction. And we'll
0: make sure we have Andy for that one. We're not going to let him off the hook. (laughs) And and speaking of, and again, this is going to be a little bit of a weird week, and I know we're long here, but this is actually from last week. The Memorial Day was just kind of a I don't know. It was just kind of a special bonus episode that came up and that, you know, maybe I should, maybe I shouldn't. I don't No, know. that's good. But anyway, this is actually from last week. So now we'll be back on Monday to tape for this week. So this Wednesday, stay tuned because episode 157 is already waiting for you to press play. So that's going to do it for this week. Thank you so much, Stephen, for your message yes. mm-hmm. and for coming and spending time with us. I thoroughly enjoyed both of those. And um, as always, do join us for episodes 157 and 158 next Wednesday. Thanks for listening and have a great week.